You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church Midtown. While our world is in a season of uncertainty, we know God rules over all things. In this series, we'll explore the opportunity before us to reflect, recalibrate our lives, and return to God with all of our hearts. Hear the word of the Lord. Even now, this is the Lord's declaration. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, mourning. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and he relents from sending disaster. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, so you can offer grain and wine to the Lord your God. Blow the horn in Zion, announce a sacred fast, proclaim an assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the infants, even babies nursing at the breast. Let the groom leave his bedroom and the bride her honeymoon chamber. Let the priests, the Lord's ministers, weep between the porticos and the altar. Let them say, have pity on your people, Lord, and do not make your inheritance a disgrace, an object of scorn among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples, where is their God? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, peace be with you. I pray that this Sunday finds you doing well. I know that um, as, a, as a city, as a nation, um, as, a, as, a, as a world, uh, this week was probably uh, difficult as uh, the walls were possibly getting a little closer uh, in our homes as we get used to social distancing and, and quarantining. Um, life is becoming real. And I know here at Sojourn Midtown, uh, the staff, uh, as well as uh, some of your pastors, had a, a long week as well. Uh, many of you all know about the COVID-19 uh, scam uh, that hit Louisville. And the fact that Sojourn Midtown was right in the middle of it. And so if you're not familiar uh, with that, um, about the testing scam or uh, what is likely a scam, what's being investigated as a scam, um, I want to encourage you to click on the link below that's going to be dropped right now so you can read our statement about what happened. And so in essence, what happened is our uh, staff, our, our team, uh, was approached by a marketing medical group uh, that said that they were able to provide COVID tests. They had a limited amount of tests from Monday uh, through Wednesday um, for our community. And what appealed to us about the tests was that they were making it specifically accessible to Shelby Park residents and people in our community um, with free vouchers. And so we did our homework or what we thought was our homework as thorough as, as we could. We had medical professionals look at um, what they were offering. We did a background check on, um, uh, on the, the doctors and the people that they were using, the organization that they were using to provide the test. And yet we fell up short. Uh, uh, we asked the, the medical uh, group to make sure that they went through our city to do so. And we were told that they did, but apparently it appears that they only asked what was the code or the way to do it and never officially got um, permission. And so as a result, 
as uh, the second day of testing went on, we got questions and started to see some things that uh, just made us uncomfortable with them using our space. And we asked them to leave our space and our community. And we also began to work with uh, investigators, FBI investigators, and, and city authorities to figure out more about this group and more about what actually happened. We still don't have a lot of answers as things are being investigated, um, but we do know that we are, are, are we're sorry for um, the attention that was brought on to us. Now, let me make it clear. Sojourn did not have any money um, involved or any agreement to receive money. They were just they were using our parking lot. Um, and um, and as soon as we found out what was happening, uh, we did our very best, our very best uh, to make things right. Our staff worked hard before then to research this group, but they worked even harder afterwards to make things right. We talked to community members who um, were afraid because they had found out that the group um, may not be legitimate. And we've been working with them um, throughout the week to try to make everything we can that's wrong right and to point them towards adequate resources. I mean, as your pastor, as a member of the Louisville community, I am sorry that this has happened. Um, I I wish that we can go back to the week before and just uh, put a halt on us. We learned a lot of hard lessons. Uh, But even in the midst of that, we see some ways that the Lord is working on us as well as within our community. We got to talk to several people who were just appreciative of us following up and for the things that we've done but we still have a long way to go. So I'm going to um, ask for Midtown, for you all's uh, forgiveness, if this made you uncomfortable and how it made you uncomfortable this week, as well as just to to recommit ourselves to this community and to be more careful in the future. I'm going to open up with a word of prayer and we'll dive into today's message. Uh, Father, we do uh, ask your forgiveness uh, for the things that we overlooked as uh, we were deceived and, and scammed, and we ask you, Father God, to help us to um, just to be wiser in the future and to be more sensitive to your spirit um, when, when things uh, don't feel right. We also pray for justice um, to, be, uh, to, to, to happen. Uh, we pray for those who are, are nervous or afraid or who have anxiety, um, and we pray, Lord, that you would bring this to a great conclusion. Lord, there's a lot of questions that still aren't answered and a lot of things that don't make sense to us, uh, but we know that you make sense and that you have all of the answers. So we humbly submit ourselves to you. Lord, I pray that you would speak now, even now, as your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this COVID-19 situation Uh, is a situation in which we've been called to be quarantined and we've been called to be dormant. And a a friend of mine was talking to his congregation and he uh, used the word dormancy. And he talked about the importance of that theme throughout the scripture, the importance of, of God's people seeing themselves like a seed. And as Jesus said, when a seed goes into a ground, it dies. But But as a result of it going into dormancy, as a result of it going into the ground, it it brings life and fruit. And my honest hope for our church and prayer has been, Lord, bring spiritual fruit to us in the midst of our dormancy. 
And I know this is a very traumatic situation for for all of us. This is a time of just loss and, and lament. We talked about in that first sermon. But this also is an incredible opportunity for us to recalibrate, to pay close attention to our lives, to our doctrine and to what God is inviting us into. And so week one, we talk about, talked about this incredible opportunity uh, to lament. Week two, we talked about this incredible opportunity and how we must seize it by practicing presence and by praying. And today I want to talk about this incredible opportunity that we have to repent. To repent? Pastor Jamal, I'm, I'm already feeling it. I'm feeling some type of way. Uh, I'm not sure if I could have a sermon that, that calls me to look within anymore because it might fill me up with more fear, more shame, more guilt. And you know, the truth is, is that whenever we make space in our souls, whenever we slow down, things come up that maybe we, we press down or that we weren't paying attention to, and it can be overwhelming. But my hope today is that you would see the necessity of repentance, that repentance is not a a, a spare tire, but rather repentance is is the steering wheel of the Christian life. And that repentance is not some rote uh, mechanical thing that we do. And it's not something that we just did upon salvation, but repentance is a a process that we do. And it's something that we do every single day. We should have a lifetime of repentance. And when we do that, we actually experience life. When we go into dormancy, when we make ourselves low, when we put on a posture of, of mourning and poverty of spirit, it is there that God meets us. It is there in our weakness that that he becomes strong. And so I want to invite you, sojourn. I want to invite you into this, this call to repent. And we're going to do that by looking at the book of Joel. Joel was a prophet. He's called a minor prophet, not because he's minor or he has minor thoughts, but because he wrote with such brevity. We don't know exactly when Joel was written, but it's most likely that he was written uh, post uh, Babylon, Babylonian exile. And Joel throughout this letter has some major, major themes. And one of those major themes is repentance. Another major theme is judgment. See, God had begun to bring a judgment upon uh, the children of Israel because of their disobedience and because of their rebellion. Now, let me make it clear. What I'm saying here is not that COVID-19 is a result of your rebellion or my rebellion. Now, personally, I think that God is doing a million different things. I think that the Lord is disciplining his children during this period, that he's shaping us into the image of Christ, that he's that he's uh, wooing us and renewing us and giving us opportunities to trust Jesus. But I can't say for sure. God did not come to me like Joel and tell me, yo, sojourn, this is a result of the global church's sin. He didn't come to me and say that. But what I do see in the scriptures is that whenever God calls his people to a wilderness, whenever he calls his people into spiritual dormancy, He gives them an opportunity to grow their faith by by repenting. And that's what we see here in this text. Joel is going to teach us and show us what repentance is. 
He writes in verse 12, even now, this is the Lord's declarations. Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God. So what is repentance? Repentance is is having a change of mind. To repent is to do an about face. It's to recognize that you were going in one direction and to change your mind, to stop going in that direction and to turn and to go into the opposite direction. To repent is to turn from one's sin to to Christ, to God. Joel's name means Yahweh is God. It is, it is to turn away from our behavior to our God. That's what it means to repent. Repentance is a necessity, not simply a luxury. And, and repentance has a, a, a movement when we look through the scriptures. In order to be able to repent, one must see their sin. And not only must one see their sin, but one must be broken of their sin and hate their sin. Third, repentance requires one to confess your sin. And we confess our sin to God. That's what uh, 1 John uh, 1.9 tells us. Confess your sins uh, uh, to, uh, to the Lord. And so we confess our sins to the Lord, knowing that he can cleanse us and make us whole. This is what David models for us so well in in Psalm chapter 51. He says, against you, Lord, and against you only have our sin. Now, we know that David didn't just sin um, against the Lord. We know that he sinned against Bathsheba by, by violating her and abusing his power. We know that he sinned against Israel as king of Israel by putting them in a, uh, in a, a horrible situation. Uh, we know that uh, he, he sinned against Uriah by taking Uriah's wife and ultimately having him murdered. He sinned against his army. He sinned against a lot of people. But a heart of repentance first starts with such a spiritual prov- poverty, such a spiritual brokenness that one goes before God and says, God, I know that I, uh, my sin impacts other people, but I, I feel as if it's just me and you and I have let you down. That's what we call godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. True repentance is less concerned about being caught or the consequences and is more concerned about the fact that we know that we sinned against a loving father. And as New Testament Christians, a loving father who has made his son Jesus Christ available to us as our mediator and as our intercessor. Repentance happens at the heart level. That's important. Notice what Joel says here. This is the Lord's decree. Turn to me with all of your heart. Tear your hearts. It happens at the deepest level, at the core of who we are. It is, our will is involved, our emotions is involved, our mind is involved, and it is us tearing, tearing and turning, tearing our heart. Oswald Chambers makes a a great, uh, he has a great quote in essence in which he says that uh, in order to truly repent, 
Uh, One must pray for the gift of tears. One must pray for the gift of brokenness. See, repentance is a gift from God. When we are able to see our sin, when we are able to be broken over our sin, when we are able to confess our sin, when we are able to turn from Christ, this is God's work. And God comes to us and he rescues us from the temptation of shame. Shame is, uh, uh, is basically being disgusted with who we are. The, this, the temptation of guilt. Uh, guilt is us uh, just constantly uh, festering over what we've done and with the temptation of fear. When we turn to God in repentance, the Bible says when we turn to God mourning, when we have poverty of spirit, that God himself comforts us. He reminds us that we are citizens of his kingdom and he empowers us through his Holy Spirit to cry out, Abba, Father, to him to experience restoration. And many of us, we are missing intimacy with God because we just kind of sin and we allow our hearts to be clogged and we allow the Holy Spirit to be grieved and we just move on like it's nothing. And for some of us, we confess our sin, but confession is not enough. Confession is not simply what God is after. God is after a broken heart, a broken and contrite spirit. We see this in Malachi. The prophet writes, what should I bring before the Lord when I come to bow before God on high? Should I come before him with burnt offerings, with year old calves? Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with 10,000 streams of oil? Should I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the offspring of my body or my own sin? So notice what Israel is, is, is saying, uh, uh, Lord, what should I, I bring before you? What shall I bring before you? Shall I go through these rituals that you have given us, these symbols of, of brokenness? Look at how God responds. Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. Everything that Micah points Israel, too, is something that requires inward transformation. Justice and mercy is a result of God taking our depravity and turning our thoughts away from gratifying our own flesh to living to please him. It is easy to take a bull or a lamb in the sacrifice. It is hard to have a heart that genuinely loves neighbor as oneself. And the way in which we get there is by laying ourselves before the Lord, by being completely vulnerable with us, with him. And he already knows every part of us. He knows the number of hairs that's on our head. He knows our thoughts before we think them and our, our, our speech before we say it. But God wants us to come before him as one in the presence of a king to to cultivate a relationship with him, not to navel gaze or to to come uh, kind of groveling, but to come before him boldly, before his throne of grace, knowing that he has given his son, Jesus Christ, for us so that we can be in an intimate, real relationship with him. 
And it's through that constant and consistent, that lifestyle of repentance, that lifestyle of reminding ourselves of who we are and who he is and what he's done for us, that we experience transformation and intimacy with him. So we repent. But repentance is a process. And even though we hate our sin, it doesn't mean that our sin is going to go away like that. For some of us, we are going to have a lifetime struggle. And when I say struggle, I mean real struggle. I don't mean like we do whatever we do and then we just keep doing it and say we're struggling. No, struggling means that we are fighting it, fighting our pride tooth and nail, fighting greed tooth and nail, fighting lust tooth and nail through his spirit, constantly coming back to him. And when a person has truly rendered their hearts to the Lord and when they are submitting to the spirit, they will they will see that progressive sanctification, but it doesn't mean that it won't be a fight. Peace Gazzaro in his book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, talks about these kind of five steps of, of owning a, a behavior. And he, he talks about how uh, social scientists talk about how it starts, behavioral change, so to speak, starts with us becoming aware of something. Then we ponder it, we, we value it. And after we value something, there's normally an action gap between what we value and us actually being able to make that change the way we want to. And then after that action gap, there's a, there's a prioritization to, to grow, and then we own it. Now, God is certainly able to take whatever we're struggling with and to transform us like that. But Sanctification is a, is a process, and the first part of that process is becoming aware, and I say not pondering, but being broken over it, valuing God's kingdom, valuing God's ethics, valuing Jesus Christ, his person, who he is, and what he's done for us. And then that as we pursue Jesus as our first priority, as we seek him first, we begin to own the fruit on the character that he's calling us to. And then we find ourselves, like Joel is telling uh, the children of Israel, going before the Lord wholeheartedly, saying, Lord, I'm willing to give up food. I'm, I'm broken. I'm willing to weep. I'm willing to mourn over my sins and not just change my clothes, not just have external change. External change is important, and it is the fruit ultimately of repentance. But true external change comes from one having a torn heart. And what gives us the courage to repent is the character of God. Look at what he says. Tear your hearts, not just your clothes, and return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love. And he relents from sending disasters. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him so you can offer grain and wine to the Lord your God. Look at what Joel is doing here. He is reminding Israel of God's character as God revealed his character to Moses when Moses asked God to show him himself. He reminds the children of Israel, that he is abounding in faithful love. And as new covenant Christians, we know this because God allowed Jesus to demonstrate his faithful love by allowing him to become man, to live the life that we could never live and to die the death that every single one of us deserves. 
and to justify us as we look to him by faith through grace. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. I love what he does in verse 14. Joe says, who knows? God may relent from this disaster. And not only may he relent from this disaster, but he may leave a blessing behind. He may restore the grain and the wine that locusts has eaten. Earlier in chapter two, we see that these locusts come through Israel as judgment and they eat up all the crops. And God says that just like these locusts came through and ate up these crops, my judgment is going to come amongst you. And then Joe points him to the day of judgment where God's angels will surround Israel if they do not repent and treat them just how the locusts treated the crops. As the Old Testament covenant people of God, these blessings that, that they would have thought about would have been the blessings of keeping the covenant that we read in Deuteronomy chapter 31. But as new covenant Christians, when we repent, the blessings that God give us is intimacy with him. He fills us with his spirit so that we can experience joy and peace, a peace that passeth all understanding so that we can experience his presence in, in powerful and pointed and pointed ways so that we can have fellowship with him and others. So that when we read our word and when we pray, we experience his newness. But when we don't take time to repent, our hearts get harder and harder. Ephesians tells us that the Holy Spirit is grieved. And we know what happens when, when we're grieved. We get quiet, we speak, we're, we, we, we're, we're less uh, likely to move towards someone. In the same way, when we are walking in habitual, intentional or even uh, sins that we're not aware of because we're not taking time to seek the face of the Lord, our hearts become hard towards him. And we set ourselves up to be deceived and to walk in a way that is farther, farther away from God. And here's my word to a soldier in Midtown. We must beware of becoming apathetic we must be aware of, of becoming stale. God does not want a stale people. God does not want a, a apathetic people. God does not want a, a people who is bored with them and who is serving him out of duty. God has called us as a church to be on fire towards him, just like we see in Acts 2. The church was excited and unified and missional and caring about the least of these and powerful because they were walking with them. In Joel chapter 2, verse 28, Joel writes, After this, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams and your young men will see visions. I will even pour out my spirit on the male and female slaves in those days. And we see that, that Peter picks this up as he's preaching to the Jews in, in Acts chapter 2. About, and he talks about how the days have come after the resurrection of Jesus where God has poured out his spirit on young men and old men, on, on women and men, and the spirit is, is working, going to work through them. And in the same way, that's what we should be after. God, we want the dreams that you have prepared for us. We want the visions that you have prepared for us. We want that intimacy. And it begins with us 
cultivating a heart of repentance so that the Lord would bless us with nearness. The Lord is gracious and he is merciful. Repentance is not navel gazing, is not woe is me. It is us coming boldly before Christ, acknowledging what he already knows about us and seeking his face. Repentance is more than talking about changing. It is putting ourselves in a position for God to change us. So how is the Lord calling you to repent? What is going on in your heart that you need to address? God has given us an incredible opportunity as the church right now in dormancy to address it. What's that area that you know that that you feel defeated in? Go to Amazon.com. They're still delivering. Do some research. Call a friend. Call a pastor. Say, what are the best resources to help me to apply the gospel of Jesus Christ to my heart so that I can treasure Jesus instead of anger? So that I can love my wife as Christ loves the church. So that I can respect my husband as the church respects and submits to Christ. So that I can be a great friend to my neighbor, to my other friends and not be so selfish and self-centered. What This is a time for us to do the deep work of, of, of heart work. For us to uproot laziness, for us to uproot promiscuity, for us to uproot lust, for us to uproot greed, for us to not find our identity in significance and comfort. And we all know that we need not help, we need a savior, we need a rescuer. We all know that we can't change ourselves. We all know that we can't transform ourselves, that we need an outside righteousness and power to to help us to stop believing the scripts that our mind tells us and says, stop responding in the flesh. And that's what Jesus has come to do. He's come to set us free. Who the son sets free is free indeed. The gospel offers us freedom. The gospel offers us transformation as we gaze into the beautiful eyes of our Savior by cultivating not a a religion, but a relationship. And it starts by us praying, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew in me the right mind. Joel calls all of Israel to tear their hearts and to turn to Jesus, to turn to to Yahweh. In the same way, God is calling us, soldier in Midtown, to tear our hearts, to turn to Jesus. All of us have pride. All of us are self-righteous. That's why we, we are so tempted to hide and to lie even over the dumbest things, even over the silliest stuff. We show up late somewhere, we want to come up with a story of why we was late. No, we were late because we just mismanaged our time. But that's that self-righteousness. That, that's us finding our identity, not in Jesus, our perfect Savior. That's us finding our identity and how people perceive us. And God is inviting us to more, to abundant life, to true relationship. God is inviting us to live out of our identity as sons and not orphans to know that whether we're late or whether we blow it by blowing up in anger, we have been forgiven of our sins. We have been washed and made new. 
We have been forgiven and, and uh, from the, 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 the presence, power of sin transformed. And so how does Joel respond? He responds by saying, blow the horn in Zion, announce a sacred feast, proclaim an assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, those who are old, those who are young, even those who are nursing. To the groom who's on his honeymoon and the bride who's in her chamber, yo, you tell them too. They, they can get it too. They need to do this too. To the priests and the ministers who's weeping between the portico, which was the, the porch of the temple and the altar, I let them all say, have pity on your people, Lord, and do not make your inheritance a disgrace, an object of scorn among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples, where is their God? Sojourn. I believe God's invitation for us right now in this season is to just take some time to get on our faces, to quiet our hearts, to own what God already knows about us, and to believe the gospel. There's a quote by Timothy Keller. It says, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe. Yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dare to hope. This is our motivation for repentance. This is the freedom to repent. We are more loved than we ever dare to hope. The worst things about you has already been said. Your most embarrassing sin has already been seen. It is already known and it is known by the most significant person in the universe. And that is God. And he says, I forgive you. I love you. I am for you. And I've prepared good works for you. Run to him today. Run to brothers and sisters in Christ today. Confess your sin, knowing that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I want to invite you all to, to fast this upcoming Saturday. This is Holy Week. On Good Friday, we're going to celebrate or observe the death of Jesus and I want to invite you guys on Saturday to fast. The fast means to withhold food. And some of you, you can do this for one meal. For those who are, are good and healthy and whose body will allow you to, I want to invite you to do a, a fast from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. I want you to give up food during that period. And as those hunger pains hit, remind yourself that the deepest hunger of your soul and the deepest satisfaction of your soul is Jesus. I also want to invite you all to give up social media. Don't feel shame. If you don't feel called to do it, don't do it. But what a great opportunity for us to turn off our tablets, to turn off our, the television, and to just, to just sit. And the people that the Lord has put around us, or our home, if we live at home, our dog, or whatever, to just sit and to be with, with whoever the Lord has put around us, but ultimately with him. I also want to ask on that day that you refrain from complaining. Do your best to not complain. And every time you complain, 
to just say a short prayer of thanksgiving, asking the Lord to cultivate a heart of gratitude. And finally, set aside an hour within that day to just worship Jesus, to listen to your favorite worship music, to read your Bible, to pray, to journal. This week, we'll put that in writing in an email to remind you to do that. But I'm calling like Joe for us to tear our hearts along with our garments (laughs) uh, to, to, to outwardly express as best as we can what we are experiencing inwardly and to seek the face of the Lord. David said, your face will I seek, O Lord. Your face will I seek. Every Sunday, we take a meal called communion to remind us of why Jesus is worthy of our seeking. We break bread. We drink wine or juice. Here at Sojourn, the wine is always marked by twine, whatever your conscience permits. We take, take the bread and we dip it, knowing that this is done in remembrance of Jesus. And this is done every week when we gather together to remind us of the good news of Jesus Christ that we are more loved than we ever dare hope for. And that through repentance by faith, we can experience intimacy with God the Father as sons and daughters. Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Soldier in Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit SojournChurch.com slash Midtown.